Amen. Well, we know who, else, who has all the energy in the room, don't we? Thank you. Thank you, Ben, so much for leading our worship team. They do a great, great job. And God is good. And all the time, he's what? He's good. He's good. I want to talk to you today in this uh, last message of this series um, on a subject that um, you're going to recognize immediately. And in order to exhibit that spirit, you just need to learn to be friendly. How many of you consider yourself a rather friendly person? May I see your hand? Um, It's important that you have friends. It's important that one of your friends is your mother. Hello? It really is. So you don't have to have everybody like you. Um, I mean, you, you probably know a few people who really just don't care for you. But, but don't let that bother you. There were a host of people that did not care for Jesus, and they put him on a cross. So it's not important that everybody like you, but it is important that you have some friends, some that you consider dear, some that you consider uh, confidential, some that you feel like, hey, they would, they would go with me into whatever battle I needed to go into. But in order to have friends, there's a part that we have to do. And we find that in Proverbs 18, verse number 24. It says, a man who wants to have friends must prove himself what? Friendly. Now, now we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit on gentleness. Say gentleness, gentleness. So now listen. This is not going to be something that you're going to have a message that's going to ramp you up like a Dirty Harry movie or a Rambo style movie, you know. This is about gentleness. It'll be, it'll be a Jesus thing because Jesus was, was gentle. Well, what is gentleness? Gentleness is misunderstood often, but it literally means strength under control. It's strength under control. It means I, I could blow up. I could knock their lights out. I could give them a piece of my mind. I could spit right back in their face. I could unload on them like they just unloaded on me. But hey, I'm gentle. And I can control my emotions. The Greek word is used, it portrays a stallion. A stallion that was wild, but that stallion has, has been tamed. The stallion has been broken Now, that strength and that power is still there. It's just under control. It doesn't mean that you're a wimp. Two people of the Bible, Jesus and Moses, both were called gentle, not a wimp. They were men's men. And Paul writes in Galatians 5.23, he said, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Yeah, it's going to be a long message. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Gentleness. Gentleness. Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse number 5, show a gentle attitude toward a few people. No. Show a gentle attitude toward all. Hello? Toward all. And he goes on, let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. So if you said, I'm gentle... 
Your friends ought to be able to say, absolutely correct. They are gentle. They have everything under control. Now, I want to share a few points with you that I think might help us all. The first service left here where their toes stepped on, and I finished the message and I had bullet holes all through me. And that's what happens when you get the message together and then you preach it. Often it boomerangs right back into your face. So here's, here's number one. When someone serves you like a waiter or whatever the case, be understanding and not demanding. So I have a text, Paul in Philippians 2, 4. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. So how do you treat that person that comes to your table to serve you? Often she's going to say, what would you have to drink today? Some will say, darling, what would you like to drink today? I don't like that. But at any rate, I say, you're absolutely right. I would like coffee black. I need a spoon. I had one the other day that says, if it's black, uh, Reverend, why do you need a spoon? And I had to be gentle. I had to keep myself under control. I wanted to say, what difference does it make to you whether or not I need a spoon? I'm going to pay the bill and leave you a tip, but don't make me aggravated right off the beginning. Well, why didn't you blow up? Because there are some people that believe if you do, they go back in the kitchen and spit in your grits. I don't think that. I don't believe that any server worth their salt would do that. But, well, how do you treat your administrative assistant or your secretary if you have one? How do you treat them? Are you gentle? Are you demanding? Are you kind and courteous? Are you rough and rude to them? And one of the things I've learned, you know, here's what happens. Often we think since we have a position and there are those that may not have the high, high position that we have, we think we can be mean and nasty and demanding and rude. But for a Christian, that is not good and nor is it right. One of the things I've learned in order to give great service or get great service from those who might serve you at a restaurant or at a bank, hello, or, or at, uh, let's see, at, 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 a, at a service station or something of that nature or, or anything, your, your checkout person at the counter where you check your groceries out is, is you compliment them. You let them know how much you appreciate them. If you want great, great service, you take, you take interest in them. And I've done this so many, many times. Several come to the table, what do you want to drink? And I'll say, you know, it's good, but tell me what your name is. And I'm, I'm wanting to start a conversation and they'll say, let me see, my name is Cynthia. And so they continue to take the orders and I'll say to them, Ruby, we appreciate the way you took those orders. And they look at me and I said, oh, I'm sorry. It's not Ruby, is it? What did you say it was? And they bite the bait every time. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Then I began to watch. Because the bottom line is we're going to have an opportunity to pray over the meal. And I'm trying to discern, God, if they come back, 
Will I be able to say to them, hey, is, is there anything we're about to pray that we can pray with you about? Nine out of ten times. Nine out of ten times. If you're following discernment, they'll tear up and say, well, yes. And you just pause for a minute and you pray. That's saying, hey, I'm gentle. Everybody with me say amen. Now, here's one I really like. It's 1 Peter 3, verse number 4. Here's why it is the Bible. It's in the book right here. This one, it says, wives, you are to adorn yourself with a gentle spirit. <laughs> Honey, where in the world did you find this meal at? Wives, adorn yourself with a gentle spirit. You know? How many of you know that most wives have every right to just want to haul off? How many? You can finish it, all right? Haul off, yeah. You say, wives be, but here's what it says. It's more, price, more priceless than jewelry, than clothing, than perfume, and some perfume, pretty expensive. They don't, you, ladies don't wear much perfume these days. You know what they buy? Body lotion, coconut, avocado, cinnamon. And put, put that in. You know why? Because it's cheaper than, than perfume or cologne. You see, I get around. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, <laughs> must be a coconut tree around here somewhere. You know? Wives, adorn yourself. Well, gentleness is an attitude for all of us to embrace. But right under that scripture... Right under that scripture, here's what it says. Husbands, likewise, in the same way, be understanding of your mate. Now, if you look at the word understanding, it's not just understanding for a season. Understanding your mate, your wife, will be something that you will attempt the rest of your married life. Are you all with me? Because she has a right to change, and she will. She will move furniture. She will move the appliances. She will move, if she can move the sprinklers and the lawn and reposition them, she would. She doesn't, though. She goes and buys a hose and sprinklers and puts them where she wants them. So here we know, you men, you will always work on understanding your precious woman. Do you know why you need to do that? Because God created her a whole lot more refined than you are. You got it? And that's why you say, hey, I like my woman. She's a beaut. Y'all with me? You're not with me. So you understand, you understand your mate, all right? You know when to hush, and you know when to speak up. Number two, when someone disappoints you, be gentle, not judgmental. You ever had anybody disappoint you? Absolutely. Paul writes in Galatians 6, 1, if a person is trapped in some sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. You get what he says? He said, your action, reaction to people who may have messed up, who may have committed a sin, 
He said, hey, you be gentle with them. Oh, there are some that have what I call this secret sense. That is to say, well, you know what? I told you so. I told you so. If you watched them, I could see it coming. It serves them right. You know, how in the world could they be so dumb? And that's that person. No compassion, no gentleness whatsoever. Every one of us are sinners saved by grace. And I promise you, you will make a mistake in your righteous life before you go to bed tonight. Because a little lawn talk, yard talk, you ain't perfect. Turn to your neighbor and just go ahead and tell them you're not perfect. You might think you are, but you're not. Don't say that. But. I can see it coming. Jesus' reaction is clear. Remember the lady who had committed adultery? She came to him and knelt down right there. She's weeping, and buddy, they run up on her. They got their rocks ready. And Jesus said, hey, any of you that's without sin... It, it, why don't you just throw the first stone? And, and here's what happened. They started dropping their rocks and they left because they knew that they could not do it. Jesus, in, in public, Jesus dealt with her publicly. If any one of you know, and he did it gently, of uh, sin in your life, you go ahead here. and go. But here's what he dealt with her privately. He said, I know you. I know what you've done. But hey, get up. Your accusers have gone. Go and sin no more. That's the gentleness and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept him who is weak in the faith without passing judgment on disputable matters. So Paul writes in Romans 15, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. We accept one another with all of our hangups. Number three, when someone disagrees with you, be tender without surrender. Now, I have a little saying, always tolerate those who disagree with you because they have a perfect right to their ridiculous opinion. <laughs> but here's what he says. When someone disagrees with you, be tender without surrender. You'll never be able to please everybody. That's a fact. There'll always be people around you that are argumentative. They'll pick a fight with you. They'll want to fuss with you. They want to quarrel. They like to contradict everything you say. You say, hey, the sky's blue. No, it's not. It's gray. You know, one of the tests of maturity in life is how to handle people who disagree with you. Some people, they devastate anyone and try to destroy them that just happens to disagree with them. And that's their life. You can, and, and when they do, you can run in fear. You can go and hide, run away. You can be passive and you can be a doormat but that's not gentleness. Gentleness does not run. It doesn't just give up. Here's what gentleness does. Gentleness is not giving up your conviction. Hello. Gentleness is, is not saying when someone disagrees with you, well, okay, all right, you're right. And you know in your heart of hearts that you believe that they are not right. But you don't react in anger, do you? You don't go on the offensive and fight back. If so, people are going to label you as a short-tempered rascal. You don't become furious with those who disagree with you. You respond in gentleness. A good way, someone you're talking to, they go to raise in that voice. Just say, wait a minute now. Your voice 
your voice is going on up here. You know, don't raise your voice. Now, right there is their opportunity to say, you're right. Let me tone down. Or their opportunity to hate you even more and say, don't you dare tell me not to raise my voice. I'll have you and away they go. But you'd be going against God and against Scripture because in Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer quiets anger, but harsh words stir it up. A gentle answer. That's true. James 3, 16, where there is jealousy or selfish ambition, there will be disorder and other evil, but wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, and gentle and friendly. The Bible says a wise person understands peace and gentleness, and they are friendly. And those people who just want to fight, and there are some, hopefully you're not married to one. They're sometimes obnoxious. They're not friendly. They're not peaceful. They have ego. They have selfish ambition. Now, George Patton had a book. The book was entitled Patton's Principles for Managers Who Mean It. This is what he said. He said, never fight a battle when you don't gain anything by winning. All right, let it sink in. Don't fight a battle in the living room, in the kitchen, in the bedroom, in the office, at the shopping mall, in the car, Never fight a battle when you don't get anything by winning. Well, think about those disagreements and arguments that you've had in your marriage, in your business, and in relationships that you you fussed and fussed and fussed, and there was no real win out of the whole thing. Don't waste time with those arguments. 2 Timothy 2 says, The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everybody, be able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him must gently instruct in the hope that God will give them a change of heart and that they will come to their senses. There it is. The the leader All of us are leaders in the spiritual realm by the grace of God. So if you want to be a kind and likable person, be gentle, not judgmental, but also be tender without surrender. Okay, I'm just going to give it up. You know, I'm going to be tender. I'm just going to give it up, even though you know in your heart of hearts that you're giving a part of your, your character away. No, I don't believe it. This is what I believe. I'm sorry, we don't agree. We don't agree. Number four, when someone corrects you, be teachable and not unreachable. How many has ever been corrected? Not many. Let me ask it again. How many has ever been corrected? How many of you sped? You got caught. You paid a fine. Did that correct you? <laughs> Anybody in my family I'm looking at, did it correct you? 
most of the time not. You were angry, not that you were speeding, but you got caught. How many of you ever celebrate somebody that whizzes by you, running 20 miles an hour more than you are, and you say, where are the cops when you need one? And you go several miles down the road, there's the blue light, and your friend who passed you, are you gentle? Are you, you deserve it, buddy. You were speeding. Well, they were doing 20 miles over the limit. You were doing 10 miles over the limit. You say 10 miles is good enough. 11 miles will get you in trouble. But did you learn anything? Are you teachable? Let me tell you what they have told me. What to do when you get caught. <laughs> Be gentle. Got that? Be gentle. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Don't try to tell them, hey, my wife is pregnant and she's in the car and she's 70 years old. <laughs> They're not going to believe that. No, 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 no. Did you learn anything? Most of the time, no. But while that officer is there with the handcuffs in his back holster, you be gentle. You be nice. Very seldom do they ever say, is this going to be it for you? Is this going to be the last time that you ever speed? Now, how many hope they never ask you that question? That's right. Be teachable. There are some people that, that, that they're just not teachable. They're unreachable. In other words, you can't tell them anything. So James 1.19, listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak or use your tongue, and slow to lose your temper. Now, if you get quick to listen and slow to speak down, you won't have a problem with your temper. You with me? You'll have the others. And, and that's what will happen. Proverbs 13, 8, whoever listens to correction is honored. So it's important if somebody comes up to you and says, let me help you. And some people do. You know, I, I uh, Sharon, the other day we were at a meeting in district council and this lady walked out of the bathroom and these ladies are wearing these, whatchamacallits, they're, they, they have dresses on or pants or whatever, and they have these things that they, they put on that goes to about right here. You know, I, I don't know what you call them, uh, but, but they, they're all over the place, all over the place. And so the lady walked out of the bathroom, and her, whatchamacallit, was hiked up and on this was tucked in her pants. Sharon said, my Lord, look at that. I said, well, there's nothing showing. It's just. She said, but I need to tell her. Well, just baby, go right on over there and chase her down. She got there and shook hands. How are you doing it? Sharon said, 
you're watching my call it. I don't know what she said. <laughs> is tucked in your pants. Oh my God! <laughs> you know, pull it out. So together, working together, they pulled it out, and it was a okay. But some people, they want to correct you. You know, it's their deal. Hey, sweetheart, you know, if you don't mind, the hairs out of your nose is coming down. looks like a mustache. Do you think you could kind of trim up your nose hairs? Hello? Uh, your teeth are so yellow, you look like a stop sign. Can you, do you mind if we get some whitener, you know, maybe some bleach and see if we can't bleach them really white? You can buy that stuff, you know, or, or listen, you know, uh, the bottom, the bottom line is, do you mind pulling your pants down a little bit? You wear them way up here and that much of your socks are showing. If I could correct you and help you a little bit, how many would appreciate that kind of correction? May I see? I thought you would. Everybody would. But then if you, you say, hey, I like the way I wear my pants the way I wear them, if you don't mind, help yourself. You just look dumb. <laughs> and when you correct, here's what you're going you're gonna to say. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Man, oh man, oh man, I appreciate it. But if they don't like it, in marriage, who do you think you are? I mean, if I, if I called your attention to all the things that you did wrong, we'd be here all night. So don't you correct me about the way I dress. Don't you correct me because the bottom line is you didn't even take a bath yesterday and you stink. And I didn't mention it to you. You need to walk through a car wash. Do you understand? You need help. And so you have that all the time. So what are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be teachable. And we're supposed, we're supposed to be able to receive it. If you receive it, say amen. Amen. When you listen to correction, that person is, in fact, honored. Or what about when your wife comes up to you and says, hey, I know that you about got that figured out, but uh, if you don't mind, I have a suggestion, a recommendation. Sir, do you consider that a threat to your manhood? Here's what, here's what the Greek means or, or, or gentle means in the Greek. It means meek. Gentle in the Greek means meek. So blessed are the meek, for they shall what? Inherit the earth. So, hey, gentleness says, I'm also meek. Jesus said, I am meek. So we're continually learning. We're continually receiving information. We're continuing. Do you believe that ladies, ladies, that you can learn something from your husband? Do you think you can? Do you, uh, do you men think you can learn something from your wife? Do you think you can learn something from your kids? Do you think you can learn something from your enemies? So, if you want to be lonely in your life, never admit mistakes. 
Never say, I'm sorry. Never say, I made a mistake. And that will be a challenge in any relationship that will do nothing but destroy it. Say, I'm sorry. James 1.21, humbly accept the word planted in you. Number five, number five, when someone hurts you, be an actor. In other words, be proactive and not reactive. Here's the verse, Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, 23. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judges justly. So Peter's talking about when Jesus was before that mock court, when Jesus was before Pilate. Pilate talked to him. Jesus didn't say a word. They hurled the insults at him. He didn't say a word. They made fun of him. He didn't say a word. And it just about drove Pilate nuts and crazy. But who do you think was in control in that court? We know that it was Jesus. Jesus stood there and he just listened. And then Moses was another one that was a meek man that went through a challenge and he said nothing in defense. Now, when somebody corrects you, you be teachable, not unreachable. When someone hurts you, be proactive, not reactive. Paul writes in Romans 12, 17, do not repay what? Let's read it together. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. All right? Everybody good so far? Okay. That's good. Here's the last one. When you tell others about Christ, respect them. I had someone I won to the Lord a while back. They were baptized. And, uh, but occasionally still use slang words. You know, now I didn't say the minute they used a slang word. I didn't say, hush your mouth. You were baptized down at the church and you, you let that kind of word slip out of your mouth? And by the way, I see you on Facebook and you post that. I'm not sure that you really got redeemed. But I won't look at all the other things that they do positively that's different like come to church now. Like post scriptures on their Facebook page, like talk about Jesus, but yet occasionally. Now listen, listen, that's a process of sanctification. Let me tell you about sanctification. Sanctification here at Victory, our doctrine is this. We don't believe in instant sanctification. That is you're saved now and now. You are, you are propped up and no mistakes, very few. We believe in a gradual sanctification. That means that you get better and closer to Jesus as every day goes by, as every week goes by, as every month goes by. Are there dry spells that we hit? Yes. But we just believe, hey, by the grace of God, their love for Jesus is getting better and better and better. And eventually they'll get to the place that they can act like somebody else loving Jesus. So here's where we're at. We never think that if a person is not right with Jesus, that we're better than they are. 
And when they start coming into the family of God and begin to grow, we don't try to run around and correct them all the time. Hello? Here's what I found out. If the Holy Spirit, which is conviction, cannot correct them, then my friend, you're not going to be able to correct them either. And if you do, if they do have a good dose of redemption, they're going to say, thank you so very much. I was ignorant to that and didn't know it. Thank you for helping me along. Amen? Isn't that the kind of person you like to meet? So he says, be careful that you don't make them think that they're a low-rate citizen because they're not a believer. Billy Graham was, was quoted in a conference one time, and he didn't originate this, but here's what he said. Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's one beggar telling another beggar. So he that is without sin, please stand. You see, we've all faced it. But today, we've had a good dose of a message that could help us all if we listen and say, God, what areas is it? You know, am I known to stand my ground hell or high water to the degree it splits the house wide open? Am I known to be able to say, you know what? Harmony and unity is far better than me believing that I was right. I'm sorry. It is possible that you cannot see eye to eye, but still walk hand in hand to the future. Amen. Would you stand? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Ready? Here we go. Let's pause for prayer. Father, we do thank you today. We thank you for your conviction. Conviction is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit to identify a need in our life you'd like to fix. And God, we know that we've all failed. We know as we listen online or whether we're standing in this room or whether we're going to listen out of the archives that sometimes we're just guilty of sin in some of these areas. But we want to learn. We want to be better. But for us to be better and learn, we've got to go ahead and say, I, need, I needed help. I needed that. I needed that guidance. Yeah, I am a little stubborn. I am. I can be a little rude. I can be a little anxious. And God, I, I want your help with that. So I just pray you would help us. But then for that person who might be among us now or might be out there online, maybe they've fallen. Maybe they've just turned their back and walked away on you, Lord. And maybe they just say, you know, I just thought I can't live the life. Well, God, we're not looking for religion. We're looking for relationship. So I'm asking you to help us. But just in case there are those, and I believe there are, we want to pray this prayer together. Would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your love in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross. I come to you now, and I admit that I have sinned. I admit I made poor choices. I admit that I've done wrong. I admit that I'm stubborn. I admit I'm rebellious sometimes. But today, I'm asking you to clean my heart. 
to purify my mind, purify my motives, and let me live a life that is pleasing to you. Thank you for your love in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Altar workers are here. This is so important, this moment. Some of you are not well. I have a lady that works with me at the district office. She works in my division. That's the treasurer's division. And the other day, she, I noticed she was limping. And limping a lot. And she's only 35 years old, if that. And so she's already had two hip replacements in each hip. One in each hip. And she said, it's adversely affected my knee. So I prayed with her and I said, I'm going to get you connected with somebody who can help you. So I'm walking around the hallway really fast, try to get to the front lobby out there. And I saw her come down with her husband and I stopped. I said, I'm still working on, on getting, you know, still working, get you an appointment and get you some healing. Of which this lady said, that's not me. That's my identical twin sister. <laughs> Of which I said, in that case, I don't care about your knees or your hips. <clears throat> God can heal you. If you have any reason to come into this altar, you know what will happen? The Holy Spirit will convict you and say, mosey on down there. And when you act in obedience, it's when you get here, God rewards the obedience. He does. Or you may say, man, I left somebody at home sick and God, I'd like for you to heal them. Or just maybe you prayed that prayer a moment ago and you say, I need to come down and agree with someone. And would you do that? Let God direct you. So otherwise, they're going to worship. We're going to wait on you to come. And then other, uh, the others of you can slip out. Those of you that are here for the first time or you're visiting, it's been a while, I'd like to meet you in the lobby and shake your hand and say hello. I love you, everybody. Don't you 